Well, 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 what is up, everybody? I am Kyle Pagan. Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Sorry that I missed Tuesday. A little bit of a red-eye action. Uh, flew out at like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, because the pilot went to sleep and was late. We all were packed in the airplane and then uh, found out that the pilot was still at a hotel because he overslept or whatnot. Uh, flew back at 7.30, and you know what? I was just too tired to, to come on... Uh, Come on, Crossing Broadcast on Tuesday. So call me a whim, call me whatever you want, because Craig, behind the scenes, he took the same flight with me, and he was here producing the entire show. But it doesn't matter about me. It's not about me. It's about the Eagles. It's about the Chiefs. It's about the Super Bowl. And it's about the Coggin Tuboggin, who is my who is my guest host today. Because believe it or not, folks, Kevin Kincaid is sick. Who would have thought? Where is starting off the show with a lot of belly aching today? <laughs> you had to I don't oh, have a dog had, in me, Cog. Oh, you had to go to Arizona and interview famous NFL players. Oh, boo hoo. Kevin Cog. Kevin was here holding everything down. His kid got him sick. And now you guys are scraping the bottom of the barrel for for uh, uh co-hosts here. So <laughs> I get it. And and I wore my I wore my temple hat for you. Well, Just they're on a two-game losing streak, so thanks for reminding me. It's a it's a uh, basketball school, as Hassan Reddick said. So yeah, yeah. Um, it was fifty-eight degrees there, so don't don't think it was just some you know trip, some some exotic vacation out there. All right, it wasn't like it was eighty degrees and sunny and stuff. It was fifty-eight degrees. It was fifty-four here when I got back on Tuesday or Wednesday. So you know who who is really a snowbird? Kind of the people true. who stay in Philadelphia. That's true. You know, you were, you go out to Arizona, you at least expect it, expect it to be like 65, yes. 70, give me 70 degrees in Arizona. And that makes your, you, you weren't even there for a day, right? You were there for, you guys were less than there for 24 hours, right? 24 hours. Yeah. 24 hours spreading the good word of QAnon to the people of Arizona who I think they were more mad at me for not speaking about QAnon than they were speaking about QAnon. <laughs> um, Why did you... You know, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but why? So you had the shirt on, you had the Q Gannon shirt on, but then in the video, you had a shirt in your hand the entire time. I, I watched it. It was a great video. It was very funny, but I'm like, when it, it was like Millhouse watching the itchy, the poochy, itchy and scratchy cartoon. It's like, when is he going to get to the fireworks factory? And when is he going to give the shirt to somebody instead of just holding it in your dumb hand the entire time? <laughs> <laughs> it's a it is a that is a call out that is is a okay because it doesn't make any sense i don't know why i didn't offer it to nick sirianni i kind of thought i think going into it i thought jonathan gannon would be behind a podium i didn't think he would just be on a stool and i'd be literally face to face with him within two feet if you if you watch the video the jonathan gannon uh interview is like 15 seconds long because i think i just panicked I just panicked. I talked to one of my, I talked to the Jesus. I talked to the leader, the one that we started this cult of Kugannon. Uh, I, I, I was talking, it's like, it's like, I don't know. I guess it's like, this is a terrible example. But it's like meeting Marilyn Manson. If you're in health and helter skelter, I mean, that's your, that's your God. <laughs> that's your guy. <laughs> now be, be honest. You, you were kind of hoping, so you had the shirt, you were waving it around all, you know, in his face, you were kind of hoping that he was going to be like, Hey, like, oh, is that an extra shirt? Can I have that? Like, I mean, come on, be honest. That was it, right? I, I literally, well, he's seen the shirt. I dropped off like 20 of them to the Eagles complex. So all the defensive defensive coaches have them. They have That's both cool. censored and uncensored versions of the Kugan on shirt. Shout out to me for being family friendly. 
Um, so he's seen the shirt. I know he likes the shirt. Um, but yes, I, I think that was a reason why I didn't offer it to him. But once again, I just choked. I choked. I was just scared to, to interview an idol. I mean, that's like you interviewing, I don't know, Matt Groening. You see Matt, Matt Groening on a podium? Matt Groening? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, seasons two through eight, Matt Groening. <laughs> you know, let, let's do it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, it, it was, I, I guess he can't wear a shirt that says he's going to gut these guys before the Super Bowl. I, I think that would, that's just begging for like, you know, begging for people to come back to if things don't go well Sunday night. So I is probably maybe afterwards you may see him wearing it at a podium somewhere. Yeah, he definitely wanted no bulletin board material because I did ask if we were going to gut these guys. And he said not making predictions. And I said, OK, no bulletin board material. I hear you. It was a great night. Uh, Sal Powell is a bitch. Um, Andy Reid was great. Uh, I was nervous to talk to Andy. I was nervous to talk to Howie. Dude, Howie might come up to my belly button. But man, did I think that he was going to put me in like this mental pretzel when I asked him my question. What a what a turn for Howie. I mean, he was the he was the punching bag in this city for so long, banished to the basement uh uh by Chip Kelly and now I mean, now what's the general consensus? He's one of the top 3 if not the best GM in all of football and you you, you the oafs like you get butterflies in their stomach when they're talking to him. When we wanted to like have him drawn and quartered in City Hall like two years ago. <laughs> I mean, Chip Kelly banished him to the basement yeah. of Lincoln Financial Field, literally in an office. I think that's how the story went. He was in an office in the basement at the link. And he, now he is the executive of the year. He should win it. Oh, 100%. I mean, this roster, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to it. But, you know, I don't know about you, but this is the best Eagles team I've ever seen. In my lifetime, uh, apologies yeah. to 2017, but every single move he made this year, you know, I, I guess the the Quinn trade is whatever, but it mm-hmm. was he gave up nothing to get him. Every single move he's made has been an A plus move. Every single one, it, it's mm-hmm. been amazing to see him work. And if he doesn't win the executive of the year, I mean, who else? Who else even comes close? I mean, Cog, he got a he got a GM fired for the trade. Like if that's not like <laughs> if that's not like the resume for executive of the year, and then he had Mickey Loomis just going bananas the whole time that he had to trade in, and like the the asking price for Sean Payton was a first rounder. Um, yeah. I for, did they get a first? They got a first. Yeah, they got a first for Sean Payton, right? Uh, either going? a first or a second. I don't. Well, they got remember. a first and they got a second in twenty twenty four. I mean, Mickey Loomis was scrambling, being like, "Yeah, if you want Sean Payton, we'll just hold him over the barrel until you give us a first round pick." Because obviously, we don't have a first round pick for uh, f- for this uh, this draft coming up because Harry because Howie just took them. And then the one that doesn't get talked about, like CJ Gardner Johnson. I know they were like, "Yeah, we had to pay him. We don't have really cap or in cap hell and everything." But to get him for a fifth, and then he goes out for like four weeks and he still leads the league in interceptions, like. And Dominic and Sue, Linville Joseph to plug up the middle. I mean, how he saw them get ran all over. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to sign 600, 700 pounds of just behemoth men to plug up the middle with with Jordan Davis. It's like a almost a ton of of player in the in not, the middle right now for the Eagles. We're not even mentioning the best the best signing of the entire Hassan Reddick. Yeah. I mean, who? I mean, he he is arguably. I mean, he should be in my mind the defensive player of the year, but. You know, people we assigned him and we're like, you know, people were kind of questioning at the start of the year, like, oh, like, yeah, he he puts up double digit sacks. But, 
you know, uh, I don't know if he can do anything else. I don't know if he's going to have the same, you know, success with the Eagles. And I mean, how many sacks did he have? 16 in the regular season? Something like so. that. It's been wild. I think so. I think we have a live update here. Uh, Sixers trade for Dre Crowder. Woo. <laughs> Jay Cr- yeah, Jay Crowder. Five second round picks for Jay Crowder. What a <laughs> what a Sim Hinky move by Daryl over there. My goodness. Emptying yeah, live- the war chest for Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder oh, wait, no. was on the Suns. Was he on the Suns? No, sorry. The Milwaukee Bucks are acquiring Jay Crowder in a trade with the Brooklyn Nets for five second round picks. I, I apologize. Oh, I saw God. our chat blowing up, so I just assumed that Daryl Morey traded five second round picks for Jay Crowder. I apologize. The fake news fake news program that you are listening to right now. Let's very get it sad. back to the Eagles. I very sad. Very sad. This is what happens when Kevin Gagay doesn't come on to check my shit. He is <laughs> so the how, how was the trip? I mean, uh, your, your, your interview with Andy Reed came off pretty well. Andy Reed just seems like a jolly guy. Now he, he seems like he's kind of like he can, he can take these, you know, odd questions and be sort of jovial about it as for, I think in the past when he was with the Eagles, he was much more like, yeah, I'm not going to talk about that nonsense. <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. How did he come off to you? Were you as nervous talking to him? Cause you said you were nervous talking to Roseman who, where were you on the nervousness scale? Andy was the most nervous. I was Andy was the most nervous. I was. Cause that's the guy, that's my childhood right there. And I don't really like care for like players like Donovan McNabb. I don't hold in reverence. Uh, I don't yeah. hold like Brian Westbrook or T.O. or uh, Javon Curse in reverence or Troy Vincent. Like, but Andy was just like, you know, that's the only guy I knew from like six years old to 19. Um, like he was there forever and stuff. And uh, he took the questions nicely. Um, I did get a little blowback and I, and I usually wouldn't comment on this because 99% of the the fucking video was very positive and stuff, but there were enough DMS, enough YouTube comments, enough comments on Twitter that like people were really mad that I asked him about um, going back to Lehigh because obviously his son overdosed. Now, if you think I was thinking about his son's overdose, when I was asking about going back to Lehigh, you have the smoothest of smooth brains. Even people I respect jumped in my DMS and were like, Hey man, uh, great job with the Arizona video. But uh, you know, you know, Andy's, uh, son died at Novacare or uh, died at Lehigh. And I was kind of thinking to myself, like, well, I think they go back to Lehigh the next year. But obviously, everything that happened was Andy goes four and 12, all that shit happens. He gets fired in 2012. And then you bring in, like, you know, Professor uh, fucking Chip Kelly, who wants to be all around sports science. He wants to monitor everyone's piss. So that's why they moved it to Novacare because they wanted to be around all of those facilities and all of the strength and conditioning because that was really, you know, obviously Chip Kelly was the one who brought in the whole sports science model really to NFL football. So for anyone who thinks like I was, it was on my mind that I was like asking Andy Reid about uh, about his about um, Lehigh trying to like bring up some like some like uh, push down feelings as like some you know some trick to get him off psychological his warfare, yeah, some psychological warfare for the Super Bowl. You have the smoothest of smooth brains. And he answered the question. I don't even think he like thought about it. He's like, Oh, you from Philly. Like that's kind of what broke down my big J barrier with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you connected on a personal basis with uh coach Reed. Now I thought that was weird. You mentioned that, that you had been getting criticism about it. And when I watched it, didn't even cross my mind that you were referencing you know, what happened to his son at Lehigh. It was just like Lehigh is just one of those like 
that's just one of those like stereotypical like Philly cliches where people are like, oh, I miss it when it was in Lehigh. I miss going up there, the open practices. Like I thought that was more about what you were getting at, not not being like, hey, Andy, remember when your kid died at Lehigh? Wink, wink, wink. You know, it's just like. <laughs> It's like, it's just he, he and he didn't even get me. He, he thought it was funny. He's like, "Oh yeah, you're from Philly. That's awesome." Like he was not at all. That wasn't even in his brain. I don't know why people were getting all I, mad. I've re- I've written about it too before. Like I I really do think they should bring it back to Lehigh or maybe not even Lehigh. Like they used to do it at Westchester. I think Westchester University would be pretty cool. Obviously, they have to make a major investment into this stuff because of all sports science and everything. But like, there's nothing better than like going out to training camp when you were younger. I mean, I, I still remember to this day some kid in front of me because I was too much of a pussy uh, got Javon Curse's glove. Like oh, nice. he had to take Javon Curse's glove off his hands. And it was like the most giant specimen I've ever seen. Obviously, that's why they call him the freak. But like <laughs> I remember standing outside of um, the parking lots and Jerome McDougal, uh, Project Bunkley, just driving on by, not even not even fucking stopping to, to put their uh, windows down and sign any autographs. Donovan notorious drive-by guy um no, yeah, you're lucky with donovan you're lucky he didn't drive into the crowd with some of his driving <laughs> exploits but uh yeah oh mcdougall and bunkley being too big to uh sign autographs that really uh judging by how their careers went they should have stopped and uh, uh at least connected with some of the fans there yeah mike patterson at least won a pro bowl yeah, exactly. Um, I never went. I never I never yeah. went to training camp. I randomly went to a, a Jets training camp day once when I was like seven. Oh. Uh, it was early because like my grandma used to live. She lived up in Long Island and they would practice at some like rando college. Vinny Testaverde? Uh, no, man, this is probably even before that. This was like Jesus early God. 90s. Yeah, this was early 90s. I mean, so, yeah, I never got to uh, out to Lehigh Valley, but. Um, you know, getting back to your Arizona trip, you, you talked with some of the chiefs, you talk with Juju Smith Schuster, who just, I don't know if your impression of him is the same as me, but just from your video, it seemed like he reminds me of like every dumb, every dummy that I've ever met who thinks they're like the funniest person in the room at like every moment. And they just come off like a complete idiot. Like his stuff about the cheesesteaks, he was yeah. cracking himself up about. It. He was. Funniest guy in the room. Funniest guy at media day. Say what? Funniest guy at media day, and the yeah, and the media know. fell for it hook, line, and sinker. It was the biggest. It was the biggest video from from media day. Cog the amount of cheesesteak questions you have to sit and listen to in those scrums <laughs> is insane. Travis Kelsey, where's your favorite place? He's like, I mean, I've been there like three times, like Geno's. And I'm not a cheesesteak shamer. So if you go Geno's, you go Pat's, you go right for it. If you go Jim's, you go Dallas Thunders, you go right for it. They all do one thing. They fill your arteries up with cheese whiz and, 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 and fats, and they're awesome. But like the amount of just basic fucking questions that are asked there. And I, and I think, but the, the, my favorite part about Media Day is let the circus freaks in. I think more circus freaks should be in. I think I there's more circus freaks than there's ever been in there, but it's really funny watching the big Jays squirm while we're like rubbing shoulders with them, trying to ask Travis Kelsey, like what his favorite cheesesteak is or what he's going to say to the mayor or ask, you know, son Reddick if, if, if temples a basketball school or show Jeff Stoutland, your elite second step. And then I got these two journalist kamikazes to my right <laughs> who just bombarded me as I'm listening to Ben Solak ask 15 questions about run line intricacies. And I'm, I'm waiting there patiently and they just, come around him oh that was that was maybe my favorite part of the video you were hot 
you were hot. You got a little, you got a little juiced up I when did. you were like, everyone quiet. You're like, I quiet down. I mean, that was that that was hilarious. Stoutland one was way more interested in talking to you and breaking down your second step than he was to the 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 dummies from the athletic and the ringer that were waiting to ask him like his 19th like oh how do you how'd you get this line to be uh, uh so yeah. great jeff i mean like i you were more mad like any like you guys and like the people that ask like original questions like that definitely stick out in their minds more than like uh could you talk about like the development of uh what does jason kelsey mean to this team and it's like they they get those questions nonstop. I guarantee he was like, yeah, I kind of remember that guy. It's like if he saw your video, he'd be like, yeah, I remember that guy. He doesn't remember anybody from the Ringer, from the Athletic. Like, fuck that. No way. Dude, if if Jeff Statlin had a question or had a, had a nickel for every time he was asked about Jason Kelsey during media day, he would have never needed that extension from the Eagles. <laughs> he'd be the he'd be the, he's already the richest offensive lineman coach in the NFL. He'd be even richer. I mean, Ben Solak asked the questions, and then the Ringer and the Washington Post uh, reporters that came up after asked the exact same questions. And I sat there for another four minutes while he just answered these same exact questions about Jason Kelsey. How was it developing Jordan Mailata? Now, I want to say he gave me an 8 out of 10 on the second step, which I was very surprised he did that. I think he was being nice. But Room you know, improvement. Turning turning a former rugby player into a pro bowler is one thing. Can you turn a thirty a guy on the wrong side of thirty with Osgood Slaughter? Can you turn him into a pro bowler? That's where I think we need to see if Jeff Statlin's for real or not. Well, we got to send him your tape from the uh, uh, basketball invitational that you played in. I, I yeah. think he could. Uh, I think he'd be wowed by the uh, natural athleticism that was on display. Yeah. Um, what you I mean? You mentioned this a little bit, but what were some of the? Um, what were some of the storylines that you heard reporters trying to push mm. in media day? Was there a lot of like, cause like the one we talked about this shameless plug, we talked a little bit about this on uh, let's go to the phones, but what, you know, it, there seems like they really tried to get the, the Kelsey war going, you know, really last week. And that has faded since they do the podcast and they obviously love each other, mm-hmm. you know, so who cares? They can't get anything out of that. They really tried to get the Andy Reid versus Philadelphia narrative going. Which Nick that, Sirianni did give in the revenge game quote, but I, I didn't read the whole quote. Was it good? Did you see it? Not. I think it was taken out of context. That's that's what I <laughs> – not taken out of context. But it was just blown up to be more than it was. Because, like, if you read, like, the stories and, like, the, the headlines, it was, you know, this – you'd think it was, like, this epic thing where Andy Reid – you know, dragged him into his office and was like, you know, you'll never coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. Get the hell, yeah, get the hell out of here. And it was just, it was more like Andy Reid was like, yeah, like you were in the last regime. Like, sorry. Like, yeah, I already I, have my guy. I want to, yeah. I want to fire you so that you can go out and get another job. Yeah, uh, as as exactly. Possible. Did they ask that? Were they trying to like push that Sirianni versus Reid like revenge game narrative out in media day? You know, not really. And I think that kind of is a testament to like how boring this lead up to the Super Bowl has been because I know you're not really interested in the Andy Reid stuff because we both have Super Bowls. You're not really interested in the Kelsey Brothers stuff because, you know, I think a lot of us in Philadelphia have listened to the podcast or are fans of the podcast or have seen clips and stuff. So, like, we know how much those guys love each other and interact and stuff. I'll tell you what, though, Donna, Donna Kelsey better be getting the bag. They trotted that woman out five <laughs> different times. I thought, like, maybe 
she would be there for like one segment. You know, she gave Travis, she gave Jason the, the cookies. Then she comes back on. She's giving people Super Bowl tickets. Like, cog, she's got to walk up like 20 steps, like a whole flight of steps. Like, I, I don't think that knee or that or that hip is what it used to be. It could be titanium. So she better be getting some some bag because they trotted Donna Kelsey out there like she was like Shamu at the uh, at the San Diego uh, Aquarium. <laughs> she loves it, man. She I, I heard some of their pie. They brought her on. They interviewed her um, to talk to her about like, you know, growing up in, in, in the Kelsey household and stuff like that. She she loves it, man. She loves the attention. There's like that big national like um, groundswell to get her to uh, do the coin toss. Yeah, uh, at the start of the. What do you think about that? I think that'd be cool. There, I mean, I they're so. gonna, it's better than. Uh, remember, George H. W. came out, flipped the coin up, didn't even flip, and it was like, all right, is that heads or tails? <laughs> than that. Oh my god. Um. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just you mentioned it, but it's like the build up for this Super Bowl has not been all that great. I mean, like the the most noise you hear leading up to this are from like butt hurt Forty ers fans. <laughs> like you don't hear anything from Kansas City Chiefs fans. You just don't like you hear more from the 49ers players, more from their fans about what a travesty it is that they're not in than you do anything from the Chiefs or anything from their fans. It's been a bit of a disappointment, you know, in in my mind in that regard. Dude, I'd be embarrassed if I was uh, if I was Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk going on podcasts. I mean, and obviously, hey, go get your bag if you're doing it for endorsement deals. Don't get me wrong, but like, if if someone asked me the question about that, and I was like, well, I'm not watching the game because I feel like we should be there. It's like and and I and I think, you know, the NFL, I hope they look into carrying three quarterbacks, which is like, was that like a Jimmy G thing or something that they they would have carried Jimmy G? Like, was he like they didn't want to risk that Brock Purdy wouldn't go would go down and they were comfortable with Josh Johnson, but they would have had Jimmy G. I don't know what the third quarterback thing is, because, again, when Josh Johnson went down, they were already down like 24 to seven or 31 yeah. to seven. I don't I don't understand where half these arguments are coming. Do you guys remember the game or no? It's a flawed argument with the the three quarterbacks. They brought that up in every single, oh, if we were able to have three quarterbacks, oh, if we could have dressed a third quarterback. Uh, everything that they've said is Jimmy G wasn't healthy to play. They didn't trust him to play in the game, so they weren't going to suit him up. So then you'd be suiting up a third quarterback who is worse than Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson was doing nothing in that game. He was not going to win you that game if he didn't get hurt. So you, your argument that, oh, if we had, like, who is a worse, like, they would have had, um, uh, I don't know, who's a worse quarterback than Josh Johnson? You There's know, not many uh, who've been around the block more than Josh Johnson. I mean, do we do we give them Ian Book? Like, Ian, all right, you know, you ever get, you ever play backyard football, one of your buddies gets hurt, and you're like, oh, shit. Uh, we got to give, you know, we got to give them, you know, Cody. <laughs> Cody's got to go over to the other sideline and, and play steady Q. It, it's just the whole this is just the dirty little secret that 49ers fans and the organization doesn't want to address. If Brock Purdy was in that game, they weren't winning. I'm sorry. They just were not winning that game. If Brock Purdy was healthy, it just wasn't. Hey, they were acting like, Oh, he was, he was marching this team up and down the field. He got sacked. He got hurt. It was a horrible decision from Shanahan to try and block Hassan Reddick with, you know, a geriatric Tyler Croft. And that's what lost you the game. I'm sorry. Even if Purdy was still in the game, they weren't winning that game. It would have been closer, but they just weren't winning that game. I'm sorry. No, I, I yeah, I agree. It was on the first. Uh, it was on the first possession of the uh, of the game, wasn't it? It was first. Yeah, it was the first hurt. drive. I think it was like he he threw four passes and that was it. He got sacked and he got hurt. 
It wasn't like they're up 21-14 and we came and we came back to win 28-21. It was a drubbing. It was 31 to 7. And then Brandon Ayu to to have like one catch and be like, well, I would put all I would take all my money and put it and get it in cash. And I don't think he knows how to bet because you don't have to take all your money out of the bank anymore and and put it in cash and and, and reserves and whatnot and then go to the sports book. You can just bet online. I know you can't do it in California, but Vegas isn't too far. You're a professional athlete. You can do it every you can, you can get a charter jet or even fly first class. Um and for him to be like, I would put all my money on Kansas City Chiefs. It's like, bro, you didn't have you didn't have a game. Like, if no. you were Debo, maybe if you're George Kittle, maybe or even even Juwan Jennings, I would uh, I would listen to, you know, hey. Chris McCaffrey. But like, I can't I can't even believe I can't even believe some of the words that were coming out of my mouth. Is this is this a five time whatever six time whatever Super Bowl champion franchise? I can't it's believe pathetic. it. It's absolutely pathetic. And you know what? Hey, Ayuk is uh. He's a player. He's a he's a um, active player in the NFL. He is uh, urging people to bet against the Eagles. And as an active member of the NFL, you know it's a clear violation of player policies. He should he should get the uh, Calvin Ridley treatment suspended yep. for all of next year. Worse than Calvin Ridley, I agree one hundred percent. Exactly. Giving you know I mean, he he shouldn't be talking about that. Come on, it's pathetic. I got a quick question for you before we get Mike K on. He's coming on in about three minutes. Mike K from the Charlotte Observer, former Eagles reporter coming up. Me and Craig got on our red eye. Now we're flying Frontier. Uh, shout out to fans nothing of but the best. Shout out to fans of Philly. I bought the tickets thinking I was going to fund the trip by myself. And then fans of Philly came in and they fucking, thank God, paid for the trip. So we're flying Frontier. Uh, but no one, no one was on the plane, which was great. So we had like all our rows to ourselves. Craig weirdly sat with like another guy in the row when there was like other rows that were like wide open. I asked why. And he said, just didn't want to move. It was weird. It was really such weird. A that's follower. Such that's a rule follower. He is a rule follower. So I just want to balance out the plane, make sure, you know, you know, <laughs> the left and the, and, and the right are equally, equally balanced. Um, so basically we, uh, we go to check to see how many, uh, people are going to be on our flight home. Now we're taking a red eye from Phoenix on a Monday. We don't think there's going to be that much. So we found a hack that our seats were $27, but you know how Frontier does like that first three rows where you can stretch out. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, they're Frontier first class. Um, there was another one for $27. So we got up into that section and we uh, we didn't have to pay any 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 difference on it. Shout out to us, a little hack. Um, we get on the plane. Everybody's all ready to go. They make an announcement over the over the loudspeaker and go. So uh, they and they it was great how uh, how much they told us it was like so. The pilot's at his hotel. <laughs> we have one pilot here right now. The pilot's at his hotel. It's going to be twenty minutes. It's going to be twenty five minutes. We're at that part where we have to legally let you off the plane, but you have to take all your stuff and everything, your passport and and whatnot. But you can come back on. So if you want to do that, you want to do that. Me and Craig sitting comfy in the first in the first class. We're not moving. Have you ever, ever had a good airplane flying story, or where your captain just didn't even show up to the to the flight because he was he overslept? Like, how did how was nobody on the horn? There was like no urgency from any of these flight attendants to get the to get the captain on the horn. No, there, there you never. No flying story ever starts with like, man, what a great flight I had from a, a red eye from Phoenix to Philadelphia on a Monday morning. No, it's all horrible. Flying is the worst. It is the, and, it, and if you're, you're really decreasing your odds to have a nice time if you're flying frontier too. I mean, that is just like the wild, wild west 
of airlines. They, I mean, I'm surprised like the seats weren't like taped down with duct tape. Like they are there. It's like you're flying in like a coffin, basically. The, the ceilings are like an, and you're a big guy. Like the ceilings are super low. They're like an inch over your head. It, it's, it's horrible. There, there's never any good situation when you're flying on a frontier airline. And especially when they don't have more than one pilot ready to go for your flight, you guys should just packed it in, but like, get me on another flight. Get me on American, you know, get me anywhere. Can anybody fly this plane? Here. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is there a nurse on board? <laughs> so you guys had to all get off the plane. No, no, and, we got to stay on if we wanted to, but we were legally no. allowed to get off if we wanted to. And some people got off, and that was weird to me because then you had to take your whole stuff. You had to take your luggage. You had to take your boarding pass. Then you had to be reboarded back in and stuff. I was just like, just shut up, people, and sit down. And that's me being you know, a real man of the people sitting in Not first here, class. Yeah. First class of Frontier, though. That's like sitting in regular American coach. The only way to fly, baby. Yeah. First class, Frontier. You get that extra leg room. Perfect. All right. Our boy, my guy, Mike K, is here. Mike how are you? Former Eagles reporter, now Panthers reporter with the Charlotte Observer. Where's the worst flight to go in Philadelphia for the NFL? The worst flight in Philadelphia? What, worst do, you, what do you mean? To leave. to leave, like when you're covering the Eagles or when you're covering the Panthers, the worst flight. So you remember the New Orleans blowout game where they like lost uh, like 41 to 7? So my flight got delayed on the tarmac, I believe, for like several hours. And I run hot. So like the heat in there was crazy. On top of that, um, I believe like we got detoured as well. And then I got delayed. Like there was like a whole like I got in really late Saturday. I was in a miserable mood. To the point where I didn't do anything in the city uh, except for get hotel, you know, room service that was terrible. I think it's the worst experience I've had traveling ever. Yeah, people, uh, people I know have. Dome, which is easily the worst place to cover a football game ever because you're in the stand. I mean, you're essentially in the stands. It's extremely cold. You can't hear yourself think. It's a thing. Yeah, people I know have had terrible experiences with the new orleans airport and that's why because i just feel like people are always go there they're going to get drunk and stuff they're not really going to cover football games and then they're leaving even even more hammered but i know people who spent 24 hours in there because their flights were delayed so long and stuff and obviously you're you have experiences and whatnot now what's the best flight you remember because we, we always we always remember the bad ones we never give credit to the airlines who give us good ones so i lucked out <clears throat> excuse me going to london Oh. Uh, the London Eagles-Jaguars game. So it was my first year on the beat. No one was sitting next to me. Like, no one. No one. There wasn't a soul. And it was a direct flight, if I'm not mistaken. And I just slept the whole time. It was, yeah, I mean, like, the odds of that happening. Yeah. Sleeper on the plane. Uh, no, I'm not. Can't do it. Cog, can you no. do it? No, can't do it. Can't sleep a wink on a plane. See, when you travel every week or every other week, you kind of have to because, like, if you're covering a West Coast game, for instance, like, um, I covered C uh, the Panthers against Seattle. You have to kind of take a red eye so you can get back for the press conference. You're almost, like, forced to. If you go to L.A., you are forced to. If you take a sleeping pill too early, it is mm -hmm. murder. So 
the I, I covered the Panthers in LA, and anybody who knows me knows that I, I started in the middle of the season. Like it was like a weird mm-hmm. thing, and it was my first road trip uh, covering the Panthers. And I took like you, you can get them in in the airport. They're like a calming sort of like thing that's supposed to help you sleep. Uh, on top of taking like an Advil PM. And I stayed up. Like, you know when there's, like, those challenges where it's, like, see how long you can can fight the NyQuil or whatever? Oh, yeah. oh I was doing that. Because the flight got delayed, like, 40 minutes. And it, it, it was it was, it was was really rough. Mike, you can just admit that you took Quaaludes before the flight. That's okay. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> um, you know, they, they say that uh, Toradol is a hell of a drug, I'm sure, <laughs> you know. Um, but no, uh, only regular, normal... Every day, that is it. Isn't that the worst? That the bar for a good flight. I mean, we we're talking about nightmare flight stories, but the bar for a good flight is so low that it's just I didn't have anybody sitting next to me. That's the <laughs> only. That's the yes. only way a flight can be good is if I didn't have anybody next to me. That's it. That it's the bar is so low from the airlines that that is that is all you have to clear to have a good experience on an airplane. So I actually have a recent experience that happened last week when I went to Mobile. That, that and it's a decent story. So I had nobody sitting. So there's only like four direct flights uh, to Mobile Airport. Carolina is one of them. It's like Carolina or Charlotte, Atlanta, Dallas, and like one other. So my flight got delayed overnight because of all like the Dallas like weather. Uh, the next day. I had an early flight. I'm there on five hours of sleep. We get into this small plane. It's one of those two seaters on each side. Oh yeah. Or actually one seater over here, which is kind of like the first class. And then the two seater over here and nobody was next to me. So I was living the dream. I get to the airport. I'm putting in my Uber information. I'm going downstairs. I miss a step straight on my left ankle, like <laughs> severely sprained my ankle, like to the point where I was like limping out. Like of of like the airport, like yeah, I'm good, I'm good, whatever. I hope that uh, didn't. I hope that didn't affect your draft grades. No, it did not. I can still All play right. long snapper for the University of Rhode Island. All right, good. Um, but yeah, so I had to hobble around Mobile for like uh, forever. I went to the most efficient walk-in I've ever been to. Forty-five minutes. I had X-rays taken and everything. Luckily, no broken bones. If you were worried back in the Philly Jersey area, where I know I'm somewhat appreciated. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we were. We'll, we'll send those graphs over to Howie after the Super Bowl. Let him know that Mike K is still available in the third, fourth round projection. All right, Mike. Super Bowl's coming up. Don't know if you heard uh, the big game. Um, offense versus offense. Just two dynamic offenses. Two good uh, defensive lines. Um, where can the Eagles win this game, you think? How can so they? I think this is a game for Dallas Goddard. And, and I've been kind of watching this from afar and waiting for them to just like hey, you know, we can throw over the middle. Like, they run a lot of flag routes with him. They run a lot of outs. This is a time to attack the middle. Their linebackers aren't particularly good. Justin Reed's a very good safety, but I I think Dallas Goddard wins in that matchup. Um, I also think you're going to see a lot of the screen game. I I think that Spags is going to, you know, use that Jim Johnson defense style defense to kind of keep things in front of him, which is what you want to do when you're playing a quarterback like Jalen Hurts. And so I think – you know, Boston Scott's a guy who I think can have a lot of success in breaking tackles. You're going to have to break tackles. That's the thing. You're going to have to make guys miss. And I think, uh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. I just saw the message in the – wow. Okay. Um, but Oh, breaking news. Sorry. Matisse Thibel traded the Portland 
uh, breaking news. We got the we got the um, the Jay Crowder one wrong earlier because we thought it was five <laughs> second round picks for the for the Sixers. It was actually the Bucks because our our chat was going nuts. So Matisse traded to Portland. Back to Mike K. Um, I tweeted out a couple of minutes ago that the New Jersey or sorry, excuse me, the Brooklyn Nets new slogan should be nothing but networking for the future. <laughs> Cause like <laughs> good. That's a good one. Thank you. And you guys would be the judge. You guys are like the funniest guys in Philly. So I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. And I'm not even blowing smoke. I love these videos. Thank you. So anyway, um, look, I, I think defensively, I would use Hassan Reddick as a spy. You know, the threat of him as a pass rusher, but he has the ability to play in space. And while I don't think you drop him into coverage, I think the threat of him getting the mismatch is really, really interesting. Um, Kaiser White has kind of been up and down, at least from what I've seen as a, as a pass coverage guy. I would send T- – I just don't think T.J. Edwards as a spy makes a ton of sense uh, because in a foot race, that's not going to work. And so I think you've got to try different things here. Yeah, you've got to do what got you to the dance, but I think – Patrick Mahomes has proven that he's a different animal. And I think you've got to make, you've got to force him to make mistakes. We saw what happened when he does kind of have a meltdown in a big game when they played the Bucs. Like you can cause him to turn the ball over. Do you see similarities to this Bucs Chiefs Super Bowl a couple years back? Because I know a lot, that's like the, that's what a lot of people like to compare it to, I've seen. No, I think this team is actually a lot like the 2017 Eagles. And I, I, I think that the Chiefs are a lot like the 2017 Patriots. And I'm not trying to get anybody's hopes up here, but I do think people are sleeping on Philly quite a bit. Like, I'm not somebody who, I'm, yeah, I'm not somebody who, like, constantly buys into that narrative. Like, even when I was, I grew up as a fan, I was like, who cares what other people think, right? Like, I'm one of those. Mm-hmm which is weird because now I'm one of the thinkers. But anyway, uh, the like, to me, this game, look, it's the better quarterback and the better head coach versus the better overall team, in my opinion, the more dynamic coaching staff. And really, it's it's a matter of how much Jonathan – this is really going to prove whether Jonathan Gannon is, le, is the legit guy that Nick Sirianni constantly says he is. I think he's had a really good season. I think the fan base kind of – not doesn't take his defense for granted, but I do think he is a much better defensive play caller than he is perceived as. Uh, they take it for granted. They wanted him fired. Certain radio stations, I'm sure you can guess guess who wanted him fired when they went eight and one. They wanted Jonathan Gannon out of here. Did they not say anything about Michael Clay? Uh, that's the thing. Like we don't. Like you obviously, I don't know if you know, but we are the leaders of Qgannon. I, I I have I've been I am well aware, and you can see on his face how much he appreciated that. He does because he doesn't. He never got any credit, and it wasn't me. It's the leader, the president. I'm VP. We sit at the altar of Jonathan Gannon. He couldn't be on this program today. Kevin Kincaid. He the whole season. I mean, Thanksgiving. He was giving out tips to fight with your buddy Ryan loving uncle about why Jonathan Gannon is good. At Christmas, he was doing the same thing. I mean, there was one, I think we spent 30 minutes just going over like Jonathan Gannon's stats and how well this defensive line is performing and why his scheme is the way it is. And that's why he doesn't need to blitz seven guys or blitz eight guys because this defensive line is just so freaking good. I think the issue for this fan, oh, yeah, that. That's, uh, that's the issue being a defensive coordinator in Philadelphia used to be the Buddy Ryan issue. 
now it's the Jim Johnson issue because who's on Twitter now? People our age, right? Mm -hmm. And if you grew up an Eagles fan in the 2000s, Jim Johnson is on a pedestal, maybe even more so than Andy Reid. And so I think that's the difficult thing, right? Like Jim Johnson was like pressure, pressure, and then more pressure. Like that was his, his, Mm -hmm. you know, his general philosophy. And it's worked for guys like Spagnuolo. It's also failed for guys like Spagnuolo. Like he's had some awful years as a defensive coordinator as well. With Gannon, I think the issue is, and I heard this a lot during the 2021, like shopping, like coaching carousel. This guy was billed as like the defensive Sean McVay. And I think the shine of him, he comes off really well in press conferences. And then you see the yardage he gives up last year. And I think that's really stayed in the brain of everyone. And I think, you know, I think he deserved criticism last year, frankly. Um, Now he has tools that actually fit his defense. And, like, I think that was the problem last year. Like, you could say, you know, he doesn't have the pieces to do what he wants to do last year. And the criticism would then be, well, then why didn't you switch things up? Now he does have the tools to, to utilize the defense that he wants but he still has the lasting memory of last year. Like Tampa Bay last year, the, the playoff game, mm-hmm. I, I mean, he deserved a lot of criticism for that game, in my opinion. That said, I think he's bounced back with some grocery shopping from Howie Roseman. And it, look, here's the thing. Uh, I always got hated on because I was probably considered an advocate for Howie Roseman when I was there. I've always seen this. I know that Howie Roseman can build programs. Always. Always, I've always seen it in when his flaws are are pretty like at the surface, they're huge, right? But when he hits, no one hits like him. He's kind of like Adam Dunn, uh, you know, like in a way, right? Like when he strikes out, he strikes out hard. You know it. But when that dude hits a home run, dear lord, yeah, that might go out of the ballpark. Yeah, maybe Kyle Schwarber is probably the better analogy. Now. Yeah. But um, to me, this city lacks patience and it's understood because of the passion i mean look we've seen it with nick sirianni he made a major adjustment when he was two and five the halloween game is the halloween game against detroit is the culmination of what nick sirianni's coaching i mean was like really what everything was building to and that's what's led to here it's kind of like how the ronnie brown throw behind game was the start of the harbaugh era if you remember the Harbaugh, like the Harbaugh 49ers started off kind of rough and then that game happened and then they surged. So I think that's like the turning point there. And I think Jonathan Gannon's a guy you need patience with because his defense isn't really aesthetically pleasing. It's just they're winning with four. So you want to join the Colt? <laughs> I don't know about that yet. Okay. Uh, I, don't know how much the Colt, I don't know how, how long the Colt is actually going to last in Philadelphia. It can move. It can move to other cities. Well, it might not have to move from where it is. I hope it doesn't move from where it is, but we can franchise. There's a franchise. What what I mean is, I don't think that Gannon is going to be in an unfamiliar setting next year if he does get a head coaching job, is what I'm saying. There's two openings. I mean, I think Arizona makes a lot of sense for him. Um, And I I think that he's a guy that's getting decent consideration there. So, you know, they said they're not going to make a hire until next week. Well, the only reason not to do that is if you want to talk to the fellas in the big game. So there you go. There you are, Mike. You mentioned the um, you mentioned the mentioned the coaching matchups, and this is something that's kind of been 
in my head leading up to this game. Do you think the Eagles run the risk? Because we all know Sirianni is a fiery, emotional guy. And you mentioned that he, you know, he's a young coach. Andy Reid has a lot more experience. He's been to a Super Bowl before, a couple of Super Bowls before. Do you think they run the risk of maybe Sirianni is too fired up and he takes the strategy of, all right, we're going to blow the doors off this team early and has Jalen Hurts drop back 15 times in a row, you know, long shots, deep shots. And then they settle down later on in the game when they sort of have to revert back to the run game and, and the long sustainable drives that have really uh, given them success so far in the postseason is that a risk that you see them running is that something that you know Sirianni might get a little ahead of himself for uh coming off of the game I think that's a worthwhile uh concern but I also think when you think about passing it needs nuance right like I think when you look at this Eagles team everybody talks about how little they run but they run a lot of screens they run a lot of you know quick outs like that's the running game to them right and and that's something that Stoutland had has his, his has his hand in. I think you have the best pulling center in the history of the freaking world in Jason Kelsey. You have two tackles who can get downfield in a hurry. I think Landon Dickerson, again, another guy that everybody didn't think was a right pick, uh, who was an absolute stud. And I think Isaac Samalo is the most underrated player on that entire roster. His story is incredible when you peel back that onion. Uh, the layer of that onion. Um, ooh, Isaac the Onion Samalu. I like that. There you go. You can have that one. <clears throat> but yeah, I do think there is a, you do run a risk of maybe not early, but that second quarter is really interesting to me, right? Because let's say things start off, you know, they're up 10, nothing going into the second quarter. And Nick wants to go for a kill shot. That's where I think the early kill shot is my concern with them. Not necessarily, hey, look, this is a shootout, or we know it's going to be, so we have to get on the board right away. I think from Nick's perspective, if he said, you know, we've got to play keep away, and then you got away from that, that would be the problem for me. Um, I, I think, ooh. Yeah, he just shows up whenever he wants to show up. Oh, my favorite guy. He's a diva. Uh, it's a deep fake. Hey, sorry. Do I look like shit? Wow. You look, I mean, you actually look, look better than you normally do. <laughs> sorry. It's been, yeah, it's been quite the 24 hours. I didn't mean to derail the conversation here. Just well, well, you did. So, yeah. Yeah. You just uh, showed up in the middle of Mike K's answer. What do you mean you didn't uh, mit- yeah. mit- so, derail the conversation? So, Ca- carry on. What I would say is. The, the rescue run with Nick getting super like anxious and hot is that those second and third quarters are going to make the game to me. It's not going to be about the fourth quarter. It's not going to be about the first quarter. The second and the third quarter are really, really important for this style of offense, for this type of team. This is a young team across the board. It's a young coaching staff. Um, and frankly, you know, I thought what they did, everybody's talking about this 49ers game and, and no. like, there's a series, I think Nick Wright said something to the effect of they didn't trust Jalen Hurts to throw when they were up and whatever, which, whatever, that doesn't even make sense. 
that was a design series very clearly. That was their gotta have it series. And so they ran nothing but design runs. Notice that they didn't run a lot of design runs in the first quarter, the second, like they they had that in their back pocket. And I'm wondering if Nick has a design package that says, listen, this is where Goddard becomes Jason Witt, right? And you just force feed the heck out of him. Uh, there's going to be a drive where they're going to run a nine with, with AJ Brown and they're going to trust him to come up with it. You're going to see an Alshon Jeffrey style, like at the end of the half, unfortunately for the Eagles that didn't play very well. And that was picked, but I, I do think you're going to see them take their shots in those first three quarters. You just got to make sure that that's not your whole game plan or it doesn't defer from your game plan. So you like Dallas Goddard, anytime touch on them, writing these down if I, and I will send you a Venmo if they don't hit, um, and then do you think it's going to be a shootout or do you think it's going to be more of a defensive game? I have it as 30, 26 Eagles. Um, I think it'll, I think it'll be one of those games where there's sparks early and then everybody kind of regulates into, Hey, this is, it's, it's go time. I, I think, I think there will be point. I mean, I think 56 in the Super Bowl and that even of a, of a score is somewhat, you know, spectacle in, in, in the modern era. So, I mean, look, I, I, I think, I think the Eagles have to put up 28 points at least to win this game. So it's going to have to be in some aspects of shootout. You know, it's funny because we did the, uh, like the position, you know, uh, comparison exercise for New York and for, uh, for the Niners. And um, like my take with this game is that the Eagles are just better in the trenches, man. They just they have are. the better lines. And that's not to say, like, I think people don't realize that Kansas City's, like, defensive line and offensive line are pretty damn good. But they've got Wiley at right tackle, who's a little bit of a liability. Between the Chiefs the Chiefs and the Eagles starters on the offensive line, nine of the ten are either going to the Pro Bowl or were Pro Bowl alternates. So it's not like they're chopped liver. But to me, the clear advantages the Chiefs have are Mahomes, if he's healthy. Well, Andy not according Reed. to everybody. Well, yeah, I, that's, that's, a, that's kind of surprising to me that's more of a zeitgeist kind of thing i think people are kind of overrating the current moment um it's not an anti-jalen hurts thing on my point but i I don't i think the eagles have are are the better team in in most of the position groups but i think if you value quarterback and head coach not you're not even quarterback and head coach but the experience of being there before then you have to give them the nod so how much does the eagles being better in the trenches and having a good secondary and a good defense counteract like hey andy's won this before mahomes has won this before and those are like you know, I guess we would think more important, um, you know, positions or whatever. I think situational football is where it matters, right? Like we talk about Nick being aggressive on fourth and one, fourth and two. They've converted, like, I think Mina Kime said the most of the century, like percentage wise of fourth, fourth and short. Yeah. Um, I think that's where it matters, right? Chris Jones is a game wrecker. People can talk about how Patrick Mahomes gutted through that game against Cincinnati. The reason why they won that game is Chris Jones. He, he absolutely destroyed everything the Bengals try to do with consistency. And I think to me, he he's like prime Fletcher Cox right now. And so you know how much of a problem that that is yeah. for offensive linemen. Um, I'm interested to see how they combo block him with Kelsey and maybe Isaac or, or Landon Dickerson. Um, but I think from the standpoint, I was talking to the guys earlier before you got on, you have to make guys miss and you have to break tackles. 
But another thing you have to do is you have to get downfield in a hurry. And that's what this offensive line allows you to do. Um, and I think, look, I, I think when you have corners that the Eagles have corners, the pass rush is going to benefit no matter how good their pass rush is. I think Josh Sweat is a very, very good matchup for Orlando Brown. In- I just, like, I, yeah, I do, man. I just, I don't know. It's weird because uh, Bob and I were talking about this on Tuesday on the show, but like, I feel like oddly confident in the Eagles going into this. Not to the point where I think it's like a it's a foregone conclusion, but like I feel like feel pretty good about the, the game. Maybe, maybe I just surround myself with too many Eagles fans. I'm just like shouting into the void on, on, on reading into the void on Twitter. But when you said like you thought the Eagles were getting, um, I don't know, slighted for lack of a better word, even though that wasn't your quote, but it, that's what it was kind of like. I was surprised because man, everyone I talked to is like I'm like two touchdowns, two touchdowns minimum. I think like I, I've never I'm way more confident than I was going against the Patriots five years ago. Well, this is Philadelphia, so you, they're going to. I mean, well, this is Philadelphia is waiting for the right. Start. It's not very Negadelphian, right? It's well, not. I think that, I think this team is like built like an all-star team, and I think that's the difference here. Like to me, the 2017 team had better depth. This is like an unreal starting group. Right. And so this like 2004, talk, if I remember 2004 correctly, I remember people were very high going into 2004 in Jacksonville. Right. So if you remember back when the Eagles Dawkins last game with the Eagles, to me, that was the most talented team the Eagles have ever had till now. Hmm. Um, that yeah. team, if they beat Arizona, when it just stomps the Steelers, like it, in no question in my mind, like that happened, hmm. like the Andy Reed, like run of the NFC championship games before that, they were good teams, but like that 2008 ish squad was just like stacked to the brim. Trey Thomas's last year, John Runyon's last year, Brent Selleck crying in the locker room because he couldn't win one for that. Like, Brent that was Selleck the best secondary. It. That was the best secondary they had or, since this one. I mean, you had Pro Bowl Asante, you had Pro Bowl Dawkins, you had Quentin Michael, you had. I think Sheldon Brown's last – Yeah, one Sheldon Brown's season. last year, who's yeah. maybe the most underrated player of the Reed era. No, but, but you know what's funny, man, is it like – I don't mean to cut you off. I just want to make this point real quick. They – like, you remember that Terrell Owens Super Bowl, man, where all it was every single day of that week was like, T.O.'s leg, T.O.'s leg, is he going to play? Is he going to practice? They're like, hey, we got a freaking leg update, like, every 12 hours. Just like, right. And, you know, and like, of course, they go in a couple years ago and they don't have Carson and they don't have uh, Jordan Hicks and they don't have Maragos and they don't have, you know, Jason Peters. And it's like – Sproles. Sproles. I'm like, they got – like, that's why I was telling people, like, a couple weeks ago, like a month or two ago, I'm like, don't worry about this shit because these guys aren't on IR. Like there's a chance they come back, and they probably are going to come back. So when the injury report came out yesterday, Wednesday, Avante Maddox limited, but he played in the NFC Championship game. You know, um, Lane Johnson. We all knew he had the adductor thing, right? I had my mm-hmm. abductor and adductor incorrect on one show, so I apologize for that. Um, but I, I like you take that and like you look at the the buildups of the last two Super Bowls, man. Those are like huge, huge topics, you know. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't feel any of that. I don't feel any. Of that. It's not, that, it's not that I'm like overconfident about it, but I don't. You know, Bob was saying this on Tuesday. Eagles fans are always looking for something to worry about, or like some some reason why they why they may not do it. And I just like can't I can't find it right now, other than the Chiefs just outplaying them. It it is weird that in in this city, yeah, everyone looks for the negative. And then this this year, and I, I'm in your camp too, Kevin. I I am maybe too confident that they're going to win this game, just because <laughs> it's the best it's the best team I've ever seen. It's yeah. by far the best yeah. team I've ever seen. Yeah, I thought ten I, people I, I'll see him on broad. 
Sunday. Say that again. What? <laughs> I told I told ten people I'll see him on Broad Sunday at yeah. least. Yeah. And it just yeah. people there. It's so it's just it's like second nature for Philadelphia to be like, well, I don't know, like, and and I think I mentioned this last week, like the for when Purdy got hurt, the first thing that went through my mind was. I'm going to have to hear about the Josh Johnson game for the rest of my life. Yeah. And they just demolished him and they demolished him. So it's like trying to sort of like get over that Negadelphia vibe is hard for the city. And it's hard for people that have, you know, sat through so many terrible losses, but if there's ever a team to do it, it's this team. No, this I know. And it's, it's, it's like a defense. It's like a defense mechanism, man. It's like people can't help themselves right. because like Bob was saying, they're not used to, yeah, they're not used to be in the favorite. Like we don't, we don't know how to be the favorite. Like we have a good team. Oh, you know, people are going to be punching up against you, you know? So, but they have no, they, even when they won the Super Bowl five years ago, the snapshot for the entire thing was that they were still disrespected underdogs. You know, so it's like, if you can't play the disrespect cards, like where do you go? You know, this is like unfamiliar territory. And I think they're trying to cling to that with like Jalen Hurts, right? I think that's what the fan base is doing. Like, oh, you doubted him, whatever. Chris Sims is putting out. Yeah. Do you think? Look, I will say this. I'll probably get killed for this. I do think he has a point that it is one of the easier jobs. That doesn't mean that Jalen is not playing in an extremely high level. I think yeah. that's the that's the point. There is like I do think. Look, AJ Brown. I've said this since he they traded for him. He's a QB maker. Mm-hmm. Like, look at Ryan Tannehill without him. Yeah. He is a QB maker. What a true X wide receiver can do schematically and from a dependability standpoint. He is a true QB maker. And then you've got a guy like Devontae Smith, who I think would be a number one on probably at least probably like 12 to 13 teams. So then you have Goddard. But like this, like you can't deny what Jalen Hurts is doing. Do I think he is a top five quarterback? No. But what Brian Johnson and Shane Steichen have done around him is pretty remarkable. And a, a lot of, look, this is a guy who's improved every year of his life in football. Um, and I think that's really interesting, but to your point um, to go back, I know I'm ranting, but this team is also extremely likable, right? Like I think that 2017 team was likable and they were exciting this team's been likable from the jump, right? You have personalities like Slay. You have guys like Boston Scott who has the Giants thing. You've got, you know, all of these dudes who are just, like, extremely likable. Because if you remember, like, when when they were winning with Chip Kelly, that first year was very, very fun. Uh, I talk about this with all my friends who are Eagles fans now. Uh, that... 10 and 16 the next year was one of the worst experiences of watching football this town has probably ever had. I I mean that like legitimately it was when winning wasn't enough. That team was just boring and bland. And, you know, there is like a huge grouping of of chip fans and and it has nothing to really do with chip. I don't think, I just think it was like, not like they didn't make that. They just missed out on the playoffs Nick Foles breaks his collarbone in Houston. Mark Sanchez, of all people, is the starting quarterback for half the year. I just think it was a miserable way to win. And the difference, and I use that as an example because the difference now is they've stayed extremely healthy. A guy who never gets enough credit, in my opinion, at least from reading, and nobody's done this story, is Ted Rath, who is who is with strength and conditioning, is doing all that stuff. 
uh, this team stayed remarkably healthy. Like, who is, is that the guy who doesn't wear a sweatshirt? And when he does wear a sweatshirt, it's a cutoff sweatshirt on the sidelines. Yeah, the dude who looks jacked. Yeah, that yeah. guy. Uh, he's the get back guy. Yeah, uh, if you if you see him. But I I think you know Roseman deserves a ton of credit. He has built up a program that look next year they're probably going to have like a bunch of comp picks because there's no way to sustain this. But he's a guy who, when he goes for a shot, he goes for a shot. You could be like the Cowboys, who apparently are planning for the 2049 Super Bowl for the last, you know, 25 years. Um, but I think what, just from from an objective outside viewpoint, what they've done this season is remarkable. Especially with, look, I've covered the Jaguars at their lowest. Last year's whirlwind of a Panther season was eye-opening. Like, I've never covered a team like that. And I covered the end of the Doug Peterson era. Uh, so <laughs> it's a real interesting situation this team's in. And I think, look, the, the city has taken on the personality of its head coach, right? In, in Nick Sirianni, who doesn't really falter. He believes in what he believes in. And, and so far, he's been proven right. Yeah. Um, I, I did want to ask, though, according to your LinkedIn, it looks like you started covering the Eagles right after Super Bowl and then you leave go cover the uh, the Panthers and they go to the Super Bowl again. So really it was just five years of Mike K bad luck, just Mike K stench all over the Eagles. Yeah, basically. Uh, actually, it was like the first thing I tweeted out when I left. So the last game I covered uh, for the Eagles, and you can go back and you can watch this, uh, after they beat the Vikings on Monday Night Football, the first mm-hmm. thing that said in that, in that press conference is, hey, Mike, Looks like we got the national media in here. Nick Sirianni says that. That's my last night that I, I covered an Eagles game. Uh, I was covering them for Pro Football Network when I was covering the yeah. entire league. Um, and now Frank Reich ends up here, who I didn't actually cover in Philadelphia. So wow. it's, uh, it's a real weird deuce is here, it is going to be here, presumably. Like, this is just such a weird – like, I make jokes about the K-pipeline, but, like, it's just a weird <laughs> journey. You t- hey, you take care of Frank down there, okay? I'll do my darndest. All right, the architect. The architect of the Super Bowl. Everyone knows that. <laughs> oh <boy. laughs> Mike, thanks so much, man, for coming on. We really appreciate it. And yeah, uh, sorry that Kinker popped in, you know, halfway through right. your question. Just I wanted to make an effort now because I told Mike to come on, and I felt bad that I wasn't here. So I- No, that's my guy. Uh, I'm rooting for your tummy, bro. I'm rooting for your tummy. Thanks, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good one, guys. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Kinker, how you doing, yeah. buddy? Good. I got Yo. a barf bag here just in case. Did you get in a yeah. fight with a college, ba- uh, an Italian bakery when I when I was out in Arizona? Did I see that? No, it's not a fight at all. People just don't know what they're reading. Um, <laughs> so anyone my that mom, didn't see it, yeah, my mom has been a patron. Yeah, my mom has been a patron of college Italian bakery. Yeah, they uh, they put up a sign uh, for Pat McCarthy, uh, son of Tom McCarthy, Philly's. Uh, Philly's announcer. Did he get the same job or is he going to be on the radio? What's he doing with the Mets, Kev? No. So Pat McCarthy was like the Iron Pigs voice for a while. And he did some fill-in stuff with the Phillies, but he got like a broadcasting gig with the Mets. I don't know exactly what it is. They just said he's going to be the voice of the Mets or some shit. So I was like, whatever. I don't care to look it up any more than that. But I just wrote like a joke shit post about like, you know, they may have committed a violation because the Collegeville Italian Baker, they're known for putting like, um, they have that big display Mm -hmm. sign out there and they're like, right down off of Route 29, like um, I guess Germantown Pike when you cross the creek there in, in your Park Valley. Um, oh, yeah, here's my mom still on. She's still Oh, on. yeah. She probably yeah, had some Mary. 
They put a big, they have a big display board out and they always shout out like people in the media. So it's like, Hey, um, I'm going to pick a media member. John Clark uh, came to visit us. Go Eagles or something. And John Clark will be sitting there holding like a half dozen donuts or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) So they put, they, Pat McCarthy, they said, stopped by the, used to stop by the bakery and they did a thing for him. And then they wrote, let's go Mets on the bottom of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, shout out Pat McCarthy, but I don't need a let's go Mets on there. That's, I love a good acrostic poem. Don't get me wrong. I thought mm-hmm. it was great, but I 100% agree with you. The let's go Mets was a little bit out of line right here. And the first thing on their face, their their Facebook post was, let us start by saying we're not Mets fans. We're Pat McCarthy fans. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm just a random guy driving through Collegeville, maybe I'm coming from the Bronx. Maybe I'm coming from Flushing, Queens, or maybe I'm coming from the Northeast somewhere else. I'm thinking, hey, I didn't know there was a Mets bakery in uh in Collegeville of all places. That's just really random. So that's where I think they went wrong. And there's another thing where like we're just coming out of the pandemic. And this is where people kind of kind of just like relax. You're like not allowed to make fun of small business like right now. Like people are still oh, it's like, like totally off limits. Yeah. yeah. I had some dude in my in my mentions who was like they're a family business and they yeah, do good stuff in the community. I'm like, bro, it was just a shit post. It was a joke. We're not really gonna get a bunch of methactin kids <laughs> to glue themselves to the front door and like protest holding Dunkin' Donuts signs. We were being facetious, you know. Or sinus kids are yeah. are protesting the local uh <laughs> Italian yeah. bakery. I mean, and then they got their tuition yanked, like Temple. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're we're still investigating that. All right. I haven't decided <laughs> I want to put a blog post on that yet. Maybe those kids were wrong. I got to look more into it. I don't have a take. Um, but like if McGillins, if McGillins are like big yeah. Pat McCarthy fans, and they're like, yeah. shout out Pat McCarthy, and, and and flew a Mets flag outside of McGillins, mm-hmm. we would make fun of that. I mean, we just made fun of the Empire State Building for lighting up green. Everybody was pissed about that. Yeah. It's obviously not a small business. I don't know what their revenue is like on the Empire State Building, but like lighten up a little bit, people. But there are some questions that are like, do we hate small business? Because I went after art history. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that shirt sucked. People, okay? just, the people just don't know like fundamentally what they're reading, which is why I had to go and create an FAQ for the website saying like we use a lot of satire, like we do a lot of snarky stuff. This yeah. is a shit post or whatever. And I still got this guy. I had to explain to this guy in my mentions last night like three times. He's like, he's like, well, they're a family business and they do a lot in the community. I'm like, it's a joke post, man. I'm not, I'm not rallying our sinus students here. He's like, well, still, you know, they um they've been in business for a long time. I'm like. I don't know. I don't know. How do I like convey this to you? How do I understand? How do I make you understand this is a joke? Like I don't hate the Collegeville Italian Bakery. You know, we're doing like a little uh, bit where I'm gonna go to like uh, Dunkin' Donuts and film myself and say. Okay. I'm going, patronize, I'm going to patronize Duncan unless you take down your sign. You know? It was a Monday of Super Bowl week where there was nothing going. How, what do you want? Another blog post on Andy Reid? Another blog post on Pat Mahomes' ankle? Like, What do you want? What do you think well, about and this? Again, then the guy in my mention says, why don't you write about how they do a lot for charity? There's nothing worse than when somebody says, why don't you write about this? Because it's my site. I can write whatever the fuck I want to write about. Also, <laughs> we don't write about that stuff. So, like, you know. Was, and uh, then, but this was great too. Sorry to cut you off, Cog. But this okay. was great because Collegeville Italian Bakery came back. Slow news week, guys. At least add us next time so we can get you some more likes, shares, files. College Italian Bakery, you have the same amount, even less followers than we have on Facebook. So get off our mentions. Kevin can't wait to show your mom this post the next time she comes in. She yeah. won't ever boycott this. And Mary Kincaid said, True. She yeah. said, True. Yeah. Oh, it's you leave my mom out of it. Collegeville right. Italian Bakery. It's a low blow bringing the mothers into it. My goodness. <laughs> My mom grew up like five minutes down the street. She has been a uh, a patron of many Collegeville businesses for for many years. But you don't talk about my mother. Well, it's time you choose, Mary. It's time you choose. Do you choose the bakery? Do you choose your son? Either or, Mary. Can't be be both. You have to pick now. Hey, shout out to Mary for getting out of Boyertown. I love that. 
I love that. Shout out for to getting out of Boyer, for what? For getting out of Boyertown. Shout out to Mary for getting wow. out of Boyertown, going to Collegeville. I love Collegeville. Not a big well, Boyertown guy. Yeah, now she grew up there, man. I don't know. I don't. I, she must have been a frequent patron of the Collegeville Italian Bakery. But you keep my mom's name out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's one other thing I talk. I want to talk about, but I forget it. Well, it doesn't matter. Um, Cog, you got anything else on the Collegeville Italian Bakery? No, but what was Broad Street Hockey a family-owned small <laughs> business, or what was that about? <laughs> we, we put Kevin a moratorium sick. on Broad yeah. Street Hockey talk. Need that barf bag. <laughs> <laughs> Get the sick bowl. Get the sick bowl out. Well, they ran like a small business. That's right. There will be no comment on that. No comment. No, exactly. but, uh, everybody just relax. Don't come to Crossing Broad to read serious stories. Kevin will have one about Q Gannon or Jonathan Gannon every now and then, but don't and then nobody will read it. We'll do an amazing piece of journalism and nobody will read it. And then we'll do the shit post on Jalen Hurts girlfriend and it'll do 250,000. <laughs> I know the people. I know the audience, baby. I know the <laughs> people think me going after Sal Pal was like, was like Pulitzer prize winning jur- journalism. They were like, yeah. great job on the journalism. This is the big questions, the questions we really need. Way to hold his feet to the fire. And I was like, yeah. I really just I didn't even know Sal Powell was going to be there until I walked up the steps and he walked right by us. And I was like, oh, Craig, mm-hmm. Sal Powell's right there. I got to think of a Sal Powell question. And then immediately the forensic investigation came right to me and I was like, I got to ask him. But- just remember, my last point of the day, nobody hates small business as much as Crossing Broad. <laughs> That's right. If you're a small business, you get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Fuck you. No way. <laughs> we only like go big. big or go home. <laughs> We like Fortune 500 companies only. Fortune 50, probably, actually. All right. Well, Kev, thanks for coming on. Cog, thanks thanks for saving the day, my man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, We will talk to you on Tuesday. I mean, I guess you got it. Let's do a prediction. 30 to 10, Eagles, me. Uh, Cog, you go next. I like 38-27, Eagles. Stick with the 38 theme going into this. Um, I think the Eagles win 31 to 30. Wow. So they don't cover the one and a half. Thanks a lot, Kev. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Some of us have, have have hammered the minus one and a half when it came out, or minus one oh, when it hey, came out. So. I, I got back into betting the other day. I lost immediately lost my first bet, which was like a minus 275 favorite. Ooh, soccer? Just, yeah. Yeah. Flamengo <laughs> let me down. Yeah, oh, you, me I can't down. believe the Flamencos let you down. Yeah, they Who did. Who saw that coming? Never bet on soccer. I never learned my lesson. But Did they um, play Shakhtar Janesk? No, they played um, Al Hilal of oh, Kingdom ooh, of Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. I always see Power KSA in parentheses for the countries. I'm like, what the fuck is KSA? Oh, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So, oh, never bet against Al Hilal. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. That's I've always said never bet against <laughs> sports betting. <laughs> like good Al Hilal after a night of drinking. I'll tell you that. That's right. <laughs> Sounds like a food truck in like Fishtown. It's Al Hilal uh, meat. Halal, halal meat. Dude, there's an all-time uh, halal truck. We love small business. Uh, Frankfurt and Master Street. Every time I'm coming home from garage, rest in peace, Matisse Theibel uh, mural. Oh, man. Uh, every time I'm coming home from garage or coming yeah, home from sure. Murph's, um, I always stop at that halal truck. That guy and me are, were tight. The the halal truck at uh, Frankfurt and Master. Go to him. He's great. Does double meat all the time. We got to get him on the show. Maybe we'll get the Collegeville Italian Bakery on the show. And you know how this ends is that you and me are going to drive our asses over to the Collegeville Italian Bakery, and we're going to be eating like a like a, a gabagool on uh, you know live on the show or something. Me and you just sharing French bread, just a huge French bread stick. We're here live at the Collegeville Italian yeah. Bakery on a rational Tuesday. Both start at one end of a French baguette. 
make <laughs> out in the middle. Come on. That, that's going to be numbers right there. We kept leading the tramp in a French baguette would be, would be a great, would be a great bit. So Collegeville Italian bakery apologize or we're not coming yeah. out. Yeah. You apologize to us and, and yeah. throw in a nice pizzola for, uh, for Mary Kincaid next time she comes. The ball's in, in your court. That's right. Get your thumb off the scale when Mary comes into the bakery. You cheat. <laughs> All right. That is the broadcast for today. We'll see you on Tuesday when the birds are Super Bowl champions. Rumor on the street, parade Thursday. So I don't know if we'll be on uh, next Thursday. So we'll uh, we'll talk to you then. <laughs>